0: Lord, right now, in this moment, as we approach your word, as we hear from your word, as you speak by your spirit who is living and active, who has resurrecting power, may that power that is living in us do a work and may we have hearts that have a posture that is open, that is willing, that is ready, as we saying today, to Embrace whatever suffering, whatever work you would have for us For for your glory and our good Lord, I'm so grateful that you just have this way Day in and day out That when we open up your word When we spend time praying and meditating on who you are When we set our minds on you You have a way of overwhelming us with your goodness. You have a way of speaking into the very particular things that are going on in our life. God, you are transcendent, you are holy, you are powerful, you are majesty, and yet there's this paradox that you care for someone like me. So as we rest in this, have your way. We are your servants. King Jesus, lead us, we submit, we surrender, we confess our faith and allegiance to you and you alone. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. This morning as we look at the beginning, the first 13 verses of Romans 8, I have a guiding question I want you to think about, and the question is this. How are we walking? How are we walking? Now, not just how are you walking, and I'm not talking about like your kind of walk, right? Are you more of like a regular walker? Are you more of like a, you ever have those people that they like, just can't ever sit still? Or are you more of a shuffler? In Romans 8, Paul calls us to a certain way of walking, and not just me or you, we. We. He's writing to the church and he's challenging them to this way of walking. And I'd like us, as we look at this, just to be asking ourselves as we read this passage, as we dig into Romans 8, to be asking yourself about our church, about our faith community, about your family, and about your spiritual walk. How are you walking? In this passage in Romans 8, Paul challenges us, you're going to hear this, see this theme of walking in accordance with the Spirit. Walking in accordance with the Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear the word spirits or um, Holy Spirit or back in the day when I was a little kid, we'd talk about the Holy Ghost. I get a little bit of, like, the heebie-jeebies. Like, I grew up, like, in, in churches where we, we, we didn't talk about the Holy Spirit too much. Anyone ever see the movie Encanto? You know in Encanto there's this, these triplets that are born that have these kind of, like, special abilities, and there's two that are, you know, pretty common, and then there's this third one. His name is Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno. No, no, no. Right? Parents, if you haven't seen it, or I give you some homework, go watch Encanto. I think our relationship with the Holy Spirit is sometimes like this Bruno character in Encanto. we know he exists. He's, he's actually in the framework of all that we do. He's, he's, you see his presence from the very beginning of Genesis, where it says that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. You see this call all throughout the Old Testament, these themes and Ezekiel and other places where you see that there's this true presence of the Spirit working and moving. And you see in Acts the Spirit promised to the church and see Jesus promising the Spirit to be the, the comforter, the, the convictor, the, the the great uh, source counselor. And yet, Spirit seems kind of like a wild card. We don't talk about the Spirit. Well, today, we're going to talk about the Spirit. Seems to me as Paul is writing in. Romans, he's, he's taking this turn in chapter eight. If you remember in chapter seven, he just finished confessing his need for a savior. He just said, I don't understand what I do for what I hate I do and what I want to do I do not do and he has this kind of raw moment with you and me, the readers, the early church, the church today where there's just this true wrestling that's happening. And then he frames this whole conversation with a statement about who the people of God are. Hear this. The whole frame of Romans 8 is this. We are a no condemnation nation. Say that to the person next to you. We are a no condemnation nation. Look at what it says here. He says, he just confessed his need for a savior. He said, thanks be to God for Jesus who saved me. What an utter wretch I am. And then he says this. He says, therefore, in light of the gospel, in light of Jesus, he says, there is now. Circle that word now. That word now, right now, in this moment, in this tensity, in this tension, he says, there is no condemnation Notice, he doesn't say some condemnation. Notice, he doesn't say there is no condemnation as long as you are perfect. What is the if of the condemnation? For those who are what? In Christ Jesus. This little word in is a device that Paul uses throughout his writings as a reference to the gospel, to the reference that of what we've been talking about in Romans, that, that we are sinners in need of grace, and because we put our faith in Jesus, we become justified. We become a new creation, and we, we go from being a sinner to being a saint who still has this sin, but that's no longer my identification because I am in Christ, no condemnation. We are a no condemnation. Nation. And in light of this, Paul gets in and unpacks what this looks like for the church. And the first thing I believe he wants to get in these first few verses is this. He wants you to know that as a part of the no condemnation nation, that there's a true work of God in us and in our people as we think about how are we walking, hear this, we are walking in the triune work of the Lord for you. There's this reference to the triune work of the Lord for you. This word triune, it's a reference to the trinity our belief as Christians that God exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we see this reference here in these first few verses. Now if you're wondering, okay Logan, would you just explain the Trinity to me? Um, I can't, (laughs) I'll tell you that. But there are realities in scripture that teach us about the truth and the mystery of who God is and how he exists in three unique persons as one God. One creed I would encourage you to familiarize yourself with that really unpacks and helps teach the theology of the Trinity is the Athanasian Creed. I'd like to just read a part of this creed to help you if maybe you have some questions about what the Trinity is. When I say the triune work of God, it says, now this is the Christian faith that we the church, worship one God in Trinity, and the Trinity in unity, neither blending their persons nor dividing their essence, for the person of the Father is a distinct person. The person of the Son is another, and that of the Holy Spirit still another." But the divinity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is one, their glory equal, their majesty co eternal. And here in Romans 8, there's an emphasis and a focus on the Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And we aren't to have a a posture of we don't talk about Him. Matter of fact, he's everywhere here. And we're going to see this in these first few verses in chapter 8. Look at verses 2 through 4. It says this For the law of the Spirit of life has set you believer, free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God, that's the Father, has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. Remember, last week we talked about the law, it reveals our sin, but it cannot be our Savior. By sending, here's, a, here's, here's Jesus, his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law would be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. See that reference to those who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. There's this call to this walking according to the Spirit. I love what Galatians 5 says. It says, we who live by the Spirit... Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. There's this call as we think about the Spirit, as we think about the new life in Christ, that we are called to be a people who walk in step with the Holy Spirit. In summary, God sent the Son to condemn sin. And to raise up the church, we're gonna hear more about this resurrecting power as we get dig into chapter eight. To raise up the church, the church is not a building, as Galen mentioned in the opening gospel welcome, the church is a, a gathering of people called out on mission, united in Christ, to, wa- wa- to walk in cooperation with the spirit. This is the call of the church. And so we have this first opening truth, that as we think about our call, as we think about the gospel, we must not forget that the emphasis is on the work and the power of God, that he is the one that does the changing, he is the one that does the guiding, he is the one that does the convicting, and by his spirit, we walk in this. We keep our attention and our focus centered on his power. And as we do this, Paul drills in even more. And we see this second truth about the indwelling work of the Spirit in you. The indwelling work of the Spirit in you. We really see this in verse 9 as there's this statement that you were once this, but now I tell you this is who you are. You are in Christ. I also like to use the word the embodied work. It's reality that, that we're called to. And I'm just going to read through this. And I want you to see what as Paul unpacks this, to, don't miss the beauty of this. There's some text where we don't even have to really unpack too much. We just got to read it. And look at what Paul's saying to you and me as we think about how we walk. He says this. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. You see this dichotomy. There's the flesh, who I I am, my my struggles, my humanity, and then there's this new me, this spirit spirit led me. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is what? Life and peace. That peace word. Shalom. That peace word is a beautiful challenge here. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. We've seen this theme throughout Romans. All have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Go back to Romans 3. We cannot please God on our own in our flesh. You, however, look at this beautiful statement here. You, however are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Now this word if here, this is not meant to bring about doubt or question, to wonder, am I, is that if true of me? It's meant to be an assuring if. The if is dependent upon your confession in your heart that Jesus is Lord and Savior. That's what the if is doing. And if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him, look at what he says here, if the spirit of him, of Jesus, who raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Another way of saying this, those who belong to Jesus are changed. And they're walking in a way that is consistent. That word consistent is important. Consistent with the life-giving, resurrecting work of the Spirit. I love when Paul, that that statement, he says, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is doing what? What? is working and alive and active in you. I love that song that we sing, the resurrected king is what? Resurrecting me, not just resurrected, not just the justifying work of all who put their faith in Jesus. God sees them as forever clean by the blood of Jesus. He's also doing a work, a sanctifying work, in you, in me, in us. That is a work of changing. The reformers they would use this word for the changed. We we talk about this. We have our shirts as Jesus changes everything and on the front. It says changed. Calvin would say regenerate. <laughs> it's a word about the person who has literally felt the has experienced, has known, has confessed faith, and has a regenerated heart. Has a heart that once was cold as stone. Has a heart that once was was. Was a slave to sin, has a heart that once had was hopeless. But then the Lord got a hold of them, and through their faith and through His power, they have a, a heart that beats for Jesus. A heart that has changed. How, how are you walking? How are you walking? How are we walking? Paul, in another letter that he wrote to the, in Colossians, he said this, he said, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. How are you walking? It says, set your minds, set your minds. We're going to talk about that, setting your minds in a little bit. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you, beloved, for you, brother, sister in Christ, have died. For your life is what? Hidden with Christ in God. Maybe your question then is, how? I get it, Logan, Romans is so ethereal and all this theology and I understand this, but what does this mean for like tomorrow morning when I gotta wake up and go to work? What's this look like to me tomorrow when I gotta go and I gotta farm a crop that I don't know is gonna make much money? What's this work like when I? What this look like when I need to wake up in the morning and I have a, a, a circus that I got to get to school? A fractured relationship, a, a a broken relationship. What's this look like when I have these inner struggles, these secret sins that I wrestle with? How do we walk in this? How do we walk in the Spirit? How does this go from being this like mindful thing to my heart? How how do we live this out together? How do we experience these truths together? I think the first thing right in this text, there seems to be this imperative. Imperative is a command. And it's this: set your mind on the spirit. As I was reading this text, I just couldn't help the statement here that set your mind. That's, there's this intentionality to this. This call to be mindful, this, this call to an attitude within you with regards to the way that your day, that your life, that your week is gonna look. And it says set your mind on what? The spirit. Look at verse five. It says for those who live according to the flesh they set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Romans 12 says, says um, Romans 12, 2, not Romans 12, uh, 12. Romans 12, 2 says this. Do not be conformed to the world, but be what? transformed, changed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and pleasing. This call, this call to set your mind on the Spirit. I heard this speaker a couple years ago at this summit. His name was John Atcuff, and he wrote this book called Soundtracks, The Surprising Solution for Overthinking. And the whole idea is that we all have soundtracks that are playing in our mind. Now, it's, I'm not just talking about like Taylor Swift or whatever your favorite, sorry, my, my family's in Taylor Swift mode right now. I have a young 10-year-old daughter. But more about the soundtracks that are in your mind, the, the constant messages that you find yourself that are going, circling around in your mind. And and and. and Scientists and, and, and studies have shown over the last 20 years that our minds are an incredibly powerful thing. And there's this new development that we've discovered, and I have tons of teaching and an idea on here in, this, in the social world of this truth called neuroplasticity. It's basically this idea that, that, that the things that are fired together in your neurons that are fired together are actually wired together. And it seems to be that, that, that scientists and philosophers are discovering truths that God's been telling us in his word for a long time, that the more that we train our minds to think about the things that God calls us to think about, the more that we set our minds with intentionality on the little things, on the ways that we believe our day should be, on the things that we should be focused on, the more that our minds will start to catch up, the more that our, our abilities and our, our practices and our habits... And the problem is sometimes as we set our minds on the things of the flesh even with the best intentions. We say, you know what, I, I can't stop thinking. I, I'm, I'm focusing on this issue or I can't stop thinking about, about this struggle and we spend so much time thinking about the things we shouldn't do that we're not thinking about the things, that, who we are and what God calls us to. For example, if I told you right now, do not think about taco truck tacos. Don't think about them. Do not think about those taco truck tacos. The asada, the grilled onions on it. Don't think about those. What are you thinking about right now? You're thinking about what you're getting for lunch today. And oftentimes, we're missing this simple call that God is calling you and me to have an intentionality a mindset to say, I want to train my mind to to be set on the Spirit. To truly believe that when we read this in Romans 8 and Paul says that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, do you believe this, is living in you. And that I have access to God himself by his Spirit. And I could boldly approach his throne. I think for some of us, we need to spend some time thinking about disciplines and ways that we can have a mindset that sets our minds on the things of the Spirit. Parents, as you drive with your kids to school, what kind of conversations are you having that are setting your minds on the ways of the Spirit today? as you drive yourself to your work or you walk to work or you or you think about your day what are the m- things that you you are telling yourself to think about and listen i'm preaching this just as much to you as i am to me just last night i was thinking about this sermon and for some reason on saturday nights i have a hard time sleeping cuz i'm thinking about this moment and I'm thinking about all the things that I want to say. And I'm thinking about, I have my own flesh that says, Logan, you really need to impress. Or, or man, I really hope you, you really come across a certain way. And and, I'm, and I, I was thinking about this sermon and just thinking, Lord, I'm, I'm trusting your spirit. Lord, help me to sleep and to rest that, that you will have your way. And I have to rewire my mind because on Saturday nights, my mind is not in a place where it's been setting itself on the spirit. It's been setting itself on my own ability, and my own need to tinker, and my own need to impress. And for many of us, as you think about the struggles, perhaps the first thing is really has to do with your mind and your prayer life. And perhaps developing more rhythms in your day that allow the Spirit to speak. Into to you, set your minds on the spirit. Second, hear this, beloved, it can be really easy when we start to do this to start to find ourselves riddled with shame. And there's a huge difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is recognizing that I've, I've done some things wrong. That I have some things to work on. Guilt is not necessarily bad. Shame is, I am wrong. I am this. Shame are the soundtracks that we have in our, in our mind about who we are. And as Christians, don't forget the first seven chapters of Romans that is calling you to hear this. Rest your heart in Christ. Rest your heart in Christ or I would say receive his grace look at what he, paul says in verse 12 he says so then brothers sisters says we are what what's that word there debtors don't miss this The freedom that we have is a freedom to belong to another. It's not a freedom to belong to yourself. It's not a freedom to just follow whatever your heart's desire. No, true freedom in the Christian walk is belonging to Jesus. It's being free to obey. Sin is not our master, but we have a new king. We have a new Lord. That's why whenever we have baptisms, whenever we have professions of faith, what do you profess? I believe that Jesus Christ is my Savior and what? My Lord, my King. We are indebted, but no longer to our flesh, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Jesus has called us into a new way of, of life. As he says in Matthew eleven twenty eight. he says, come to me. All. Who are weary and burdened. And I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you. There is a taking upon. There is a responsibility. There is a work, a yoke. This is a reference to true work that we are called to. But look at this. And learn from me. We have the example in Jesus and his life. For I am what? Gentle and what? Humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We are free to follow. We are free to obey. Paul writes about this in Corinthians. He writes about what he calls this thorn in the flesh, the struggle that he had. And remember, don't forget, chapter 7, Paul just said, I don't understand what I do, for what I hate I do. This isn't like saintly Paul all of a sudden, walk perfectly. There's this dependence of belonging, of, of surrendering, of leaning into to the power of Christ in you. Look at what he says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He says this, but he said to me, This is him talking about Christ, talking to him. My grace is what? Sufficient. Is the grace of God enough for you? Is the grace of God truly efficient for your struggles, for your needs, for your wants, for your sin? Is is the grace sufficient for you? He says, for my power. Jesus is saying, my power is made perfect in your strength. In your performance, in your success, no, my power is made perfect in what? Your weakness. Remember Romans 5, the suffering? Therefore, what is my response as a one who belongs to Jesus? I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. We can get so caught up in chapter eight and all the the, the call to set your mind and the second we'll talk about dealing with sin that we also miss the opening line, beloved, we are a no condemnation nation. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he said this, most of our troubles are due to the failures, to our failures to realize the truth of this verse. What happens if we forget that there is now no condemnation. And the guys on our teaching team says, living under no condemnation changes everything. And so there's this call as the church, as we think about how we walk in the spirit, set your mind on the spirit, rest in Christ, and finally, hear this though, kill your sin by the spirit kill your sin by the spirit. Don't get it twisted. Paul's got Paul's calling the church to deal with sin. He's calling the church not to be apathetic and passive in the ways that we think about our sin and our struggles. Look at verse 13, he says this. He says, "For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if the spirit, if by the spirit, who's the one that's killing the sin? Is it you? No. The one we don't talk about, Bruno, the, the Spirit? If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will leave. This you will live. This word put to death is meant to be vicious. It's 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 a reference to this 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 true in the early church fathers called this the mortification of sin. Tim Keller, in his commentary on Romans, he writes about this. I thought this was so good. He says this He says, it means a ruthless, full hearted resistance to sinful practice. The very word translated as put to death, Greek word thanatote, is violent and total. It means to reject totally everything we know to be wrong. Remember, set your minds to declare war on attitudes and behaviors that are wrong. Give them no quarter, take no prisoners, put put out all the stops. Hear this, I'll have this on on the screen for you. This means a Christian doesn't play games with sin. You don't aim to wean yourself off of it or say, I can keep it under control. You get as far away from it as possible. You don't just avoid things you know are sin, you avoid the things that lead to it. And even things that are doubtful. This is war. Come on, Ardina. (laughs) Beloved, I believe some of us, I'm talking to myself, as we think about this call to kill sin by the spirit as you don't take the words of Jesus it says if your right eye causes you to sin cut it out that there is this call to be proactive and intentional oh it's not hurting anyone nobody knows about this no we all do it's a small anger issue. It's just a little road rage. It's just a little gossip. We're really just venting. We're just making sure everybody knows. We want to make sure everyone's informed. No, it's it's sinful. It's gossip. It's talking about somebody else behind their back. Slander. It's only grumbling. I'm just venting. In Galatians five, when Paul writes about the fruits of the Spirit. And he writes about the, the, the fruits that grow in it. Right before that, he also lists the fruits of the flesh. He says this now the works of the flesh are evident, fits of anger, of sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're called to be a people that are killing sin by the Spirit, and for some, all of us, we need to keep this focus on how is the Lord calling me to truly deal with these ongoing struggles. Remember, don't forget Romans seven. There is struggle. Don't be in denial and think like you're a perfect little angel. You're not. We're a bunch of people who come here to a hospital in need of the reminder of the gospel and that the grace of God is sufficient and the call that we are to be a people who are denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following Jesus. There was a commencement speech years ago that went viral by this guy named David Foster Wallace. And in this commencement speech, I think he identified the true, like, especially in the age of me. He wrote this, and it just resonated with many people. He said, everything in my own immediate experience supports my deep belief that I am the absolute center of the universe, the realest, most vivid, and important person in existence. It is our default setting, we are hardwired into our circuit boards at birth. Think about it. There is no experience that you've had that you were not at the absolute center of. The world as you experience it is right there in front of you or behind you, to the left or the right of you on your TV or your monitor or whatever other people's thoughts and feelings have to be communicated to you somehow. But, you, but your own are so immediate, urgent, and real. There's probably a solid 300 and some people here. And all of us believe we are the center of the universe. But beloved, the Christian confession says that I belong to God. And He is the center of the universe. And I was created for His glory and our good. And it can be easy to look at this passage in Romans and think about this, this invitation to truly. Set your mind on the Spirit to truly rest your heart in Christ and to kill your sin by the Spirit and to think of this as a linear walk. But I believe this is something that is more of a cyclic walk. I would say my final point is repeat. Repeat. Set your mind on the Spirit. As you do that and as the the enemy tries to throw shame and and deceit and guilt on you, rest your heart in Christ. Remember grace. Remember that he is sufficient. Remember that, that, that your faith is in what he's done on the cross, that he's the one who does that. And out of that, kill sin by the Spirit, knowing who you belong to. This is our call. This is our battle cry. In a few moments we're gonna sing a song that was written in light of this passage, it's called The Same Power. And as we sing this song, my prayer is that we as a church, as we confess our faith and our faith being about who Jesus is, Our faith being about confessing our belief that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me, that you would just confess your faith. And as you confess your faith, perhaps you have a struggle. Perhaps you have a a temptation. Perhaps you have something that's just been bugging you and you just need to spend some time lifting that up to Christ. I encourage you as you sing that song, sing that out to God. As you sing that song, rest with your church family, this faith community, rest together belonging to the Lord, rejecting the shame and the guilt and knowing that we are a people, a belonging. And as we belong, our youth group, I love the three words they talk about, belonging, believing, becoming. As we belong, our belief continues to grow, and as our belief continues to grow, we continue to become. Grow in this. Let's pray. Spirit of God, we are a people that will talk about you. Spirit of God, We believe that you are real. We believe that you are active. We believe that your word is illuminated by you, Spirit of God, and that you testify about Christ Jesus, our Savior, and our King, and that through Jesus we are connected to the Father, Spirit of God. We are broken. What a wretched man, what a wretched woman I am, who will deliver me from this body of death. Thanks be to God for Jesus Christ. Spirit of God we pray we plead we submit we surrender to you King Jesus, we pray, as we sing together, I pray, God, that the the words that come out of our mouths or the thoughts that come out of our minds, that you would do something with this, that we would confess faith. I pray for those in this space. I pray for those that are watching online that perhaps there's more doubt. Perhaps there's true questions about your very existence. spirit of God. I pray that you would speak. I pray that you would reveal yourself in a mighty, powerful way. Spirit of God, come, Lord Jesus, come. Spirit of God, come. We know you invite us in. And in this moment, we just pray. you could just whisper, I receive you, God. If you could just whisper, I'm listening, God. If you could just say, kill my sin, God. If you could just say, thank you for the reminder that I belong to you, Jesus. Together, see, I set my mind on you, Spirit. We love you, Lord. We sing to you and we worship you. And we pray this together in the name of our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.